the spirit of God in all things and being able to stay attentive and curious about God's presence in our lives, um, this morning I wanted to offer up some questions for us to consider as we move deeper into the habit of looking for God. So for any of these questions, if something specific comes to mind, an example from your own life, I'd encourage you to put your thoughts in the chat so that we can raise up more experiences to draw from. So the first question we have today is what is the most spiritual thing that you have done or experienced lately? Maybe something in your current season of life or within the last year, what has felt the most spiritual? And personally, that I've spent growing up in an evangelical church setting, attending a Christian college and seminary, it's super tempting for my brain to go to, did I read my Bible enough? Is there a worship service that particularly stands out? In some ways, I feel like I've internalized a formula for setting the stage for spiritual experience. And I think most of us, if not all of us, would be comfortable saying that God is not confined to a particular church or faith setting. I mean, gathering in a movie theater and now being part of virtual church definitely helps with this. Being with individuals who have all sorts of backgrounds with following Jesus, it helps us claim this everywhere nature of God. But despite this, for some of us, our view of spiritual growth may still be attached to particular, particular religious experiences. And don't get me wrong, I'm not suggesting that we do away with reading the Bible or worshiping together or meeting to pray. These are all beautiful opportunities to pay attention to God's presence. But I am hoping that we can widen our scope of what is spiritual. We can alleviate the pressure of needing to fit our spirituality into boxes of particular practices. So what is the most spiritual thing that you've done or experienced lately? And what I'd like to suggest today is that personal growth and spiritual growth are intertwined. We're part of a cultural setting that puts a lot of emphasis on personal growth. We want to grow and learn and gain new insight, but we actually do ourselves a disservice when we fail to recognize that the work and transformation taking place in our lives is actually a beautiful meeting place with God. And as I've been reconsidering the spiritual elements of my life, what has come to mind is this process of coming to new realizations. Those moments that feel like things have come into clarity, the reality of changing my mind as a result of responding to perspectives that are outside my own, the empowering and healing and sometimes painful realizations that have provided new direction in my life. So let's narrow in and focus on more concrete examples of coming to new realizations this morning. While listening, I'd love for you to take a moment to think of a new realization that you've had that caused a shift in your life. In this last year, we've been in a climate that's led to a lot of change. The intersecting pandemics of COVID and violence has probably led to some personal shifts for you. So maybe it's something within the last year that comes to mind or a critical shift, something that you've learned in your past that changed. Um, these can be really big things, but sometimes it's a series of small realizations that bring us along to new and concrete change. That's not only a result of personal growth, but brings us into spiritual growth and community as well. So what is essential 
um, in your life, what is something that you have learned, a new realization that you've had? So as an example, this morning, we have some thoughts from L'Oreal Merritt. L'Oreal was the communications intern um, and is a part of our community here at Brownline. She couldn't join us live this morning. So I'm going to invite Vince to read her words for us so that we can get um, an example of a realization she's had. Sure, yes, okay. So from L'Oreal, one huge realization I've had that has shifted things for me is knowing that it's okay to not have all the answers to everything. Kind of uh, big there, coming from a college student, right? At some point or another, we've all felt this pressure to have everything together in our lives or that we should have all the answers in our walk of faith. I've especially felt this in my relationship with God and I've experienced a lot of anxiety and doubt because of who I thought I was supposed to be as a Christian, what I thought I was supposed to know and who I thought God was. As I've grown into adulthood and as a, uh, and as a, as a Christian becoming more spiritually mature in my faith, I've come to realize that no one has the answers to everything and it's no one has the answers to everything. And it's given me an opportunity to grow in different areas in my life by learning from others to grow in character from the mistakes I've made. It also helps me to stay teachable because there will always be something I don't know or an area I can improve in. As uncomfortable as it is, uh, as it can feel in places of ignorance or of just being lost, there's also something so beautiful about the way God can meet you there and reveal certain things to you, whatever area of life it is. We can rest in God's grace, even knowing there will be problems and things that we don't have answers to. So there's a new realization from L'Oreal that she shared with us. So good. I was just really encouraged by her words because it feels really familiar. Um, so thank you, L'Oreal. I totally agree with this pressure to have everything together or have the right answers um, related to my faith, but related to a lot of other things in life too. Um, and this can be a stumbling block, I think, in being able to see God throughout the process of growing, not just the results of growth. So maybe the temptation is this before and after mindset of here is my arrived self. But when we look at the Gospels, Jesus is constantly providing opportunities for the disciples to grow in their understanding. And not just their understanding of God or of the kingdom of God, but also their understanding of humanizing others and engaging with systems in the world that are unjust. He is patient and present. And I think sometimes I read my own snarkiness into the stories of the Bible. Um, so I can feel like Jesus is being impatient with the disciples or those who are following him like this kind of, why don't you get it already? But I think that I read that more into the uh, stories and that's actually present. I don't think Jesus is judging the disciples as they come to new conclusions. He's with them along the way. And so Vince, I'm curious, do you have any thoughts on Moriel's response to this? Yeah, definitely. I, I like um, the idea of um, coming to realizations that you don't know everything. I mean, the thing that comes to mind for me personally in terms of what's a new realization for me has been, uh, and it's sort of continued, but it's it's around parenting. Um, and I like my wife, Kezi, and I've had lots of conversations where previous versions of ourselves were like, oh my gosh, we would never do that if we were parents, when we like view some other parent from afar, only to realize like how different you feel when you are a parent of a kid of such age. 
And um, I mean, that, that, that's exactly, um, I think, the, the humbling thing um, that L'Oreal's talking about. But also, it, it's an invitation to more. And I, I do think that, you know, tying it to what you're suggesting of like, these new realizations are actually experiences of God. They're not just, oh, great, I learned something. Um, I, like, I, I feel more um, spiritually open when I am humbled than when I feel like I'm right. Um, there's just, it's just a very different posture. And um, it's, you know, being humbled is not always nice. Uh, there, but I think the fact that it is an openness to, um, it's an openness to feeling loved or it's an openness to feeling helped. It's an openness to feeling God um, is a lot better than being right. Because when I'm right about something, I'm just like, great, I'm glad I was right. That's good. That's that's what I wanted. And then I'm just moving on. Yeah. So it sounds like, it sounds like this idea of being right is almost confined to that particular situation or um, something that's going on, but being humbled and pursuing that has a little bit more play out in day-to-day life that that is kind of seen throughout different seasons um, that really that process is more of where growth takes place instead of these like isolated incidents of got that one right does that seem like it's a fair kind of assessment of what yeah you're about? yeah exactly i mean i think about um uh jesus um presenting himself to everybody as um a good doctor and um and this idea that if we are to get anything from um or what, what's what's the what, what's the the great turn of phrase that he has is like those uh, those who are well don't need uh, a doctor. It is those who are sick who need a doctor. And there's almost this sense of like, um, y- if you want to feel spiritually connected, like this kind of like personal growth, being humbled, coming to the end of yourself, making new realizations is actually um, the same thing as connecting with God. If it do like, if you're not doing that, you actually, maybe you don't have access to the God that Jesus is showing us uh, because supposedly this God is a doctor and comes for the sick. And so if you don't regard yourself as sick there, I don't know, there, there's, there's nothing to get there. So, yeah, I think it's, I think it's deeply tied to, um, to what we're talking about. And, and I, I mean, I, I don't know, I, I feel like I am in a place where I'm recognizing like, Oh, I'm maybe, maybe fraud is too strong a word, but like pretty, pretty often I'm like, Oh, you know, like I, I feel humbled or I feel like a bit of a fraud or I feel like a bit of a, um, imposter or something like that, uh, pretty often. And my knee jerk instinct is not necessarily to call that an experience of God, but I'm, I'm learning more to do that. My, I'm learning to make that my knee jerk instinct of like, Oh, that's an avenue to God, not, uh, something I have to be afraid of or something I have to run from or something I have to like, I don't, you know, like feel like I'm, uh, I, I don't know, I'm not good enough. And so therefore, you know, God won't have me. It's like, no, that that's actually exactly where God will have me because I, in those places, I regard myself as sick. Yeah. Yeah. I think it really is this opportunity to partner with God. And I, I want to be careful too, because um, sometimes it's, there's this tendency to almost over-spiritualize things that are happening um, that can invalidate the really hard ongoing work that it takes, um, to keep growing, to not like fall back into familiar patterns, but to keep moving forward, to keep pursuing realizations, but this chance to recognize God in that process, um, just kind of grounds those experiences a little bit more for us. It offers that sustaining hope, 
Um, it doesn't over spiritualize what's taking place and saying like, well, that was all God at work. Um, I think there's, I, there's a need to honor, like you are doing hard things and keeping at it and growing and moving and changing, which is not easy when um, we've been set in particular ways of doing things, um, recognizing that just the, all of that hard work that it takes to keep having new realizations to not tune out um, and saying, this is a, a chance to name that as an experience of God. Yeah, definitely. <clears throat> I like that distinction between, um, you know, like when we come to new realizations, if that came with pain or if that came with pain to another, you know, as a result of like, oh, you know, like I, I learned that I am complicit in systemic racism, right? Like I, I don't just get to wipe my hands clean and say, I'm not racist. You know, that's a realization that involves harm and involves pain that other people experience around me. That doesn't mean, you know, like to find God in that doesn't mean that like, well, you know, God worked those things so that I could have this realization. And that was, and God, God brought this pain for a reason. I, I don't think we have to say that it happened for a reason, but I do think that we can say that it was used. And that experience of like feeling the process of like, oh my goodness, a new realization opens me up and allows me to experience something that I wasn't experiencing before and allows me to move forward in, in positive ways and growth ways. That is where God lives. Yeah. And then it really is this opportunity um, to see even those difficult moments, the painful moments as um, beautiful, not sources of shame. Cause I think shame can be super limiting and prevent us from embracing growth and change. Um, it gets in the way of some of this movement that we're talking about. And I, yeah, God doesn't desire that process either of going down the spiral of shame. Um, but instead being able to own places that we've been, things that we've thought, um, things that we've done things previously um, as an ongoing opportunity to pursue Jesus um, in a way that is really beautiful and isn't, um, in any way motivated by guilt or shame or judgment or any of those things. Definitely. Hey, can I share one more that is yeah. like kind of in a different category? It's not really about being humbled as a new realization, but it's just like realizing something more about myself. And it really felt like God was in that realization of something more about myself. Um, so I don't know if anyone has watched uh, Ted Lasso on Apple TV um, but Ted Lasso is amazing. I highly recommend it if you have access to Apple TV. Um, watching Ted Lasso, I think, gave me a new realization about myself, which is there is this piece of me that, uh, that loves to do the little things to, um, to show people that I care about them and to show people that I want to be in their lives. And the main character in Ted Lasso is extremely winning in the way that he does the little things. Uh, to be there for others and to and to lead others and to and to show himself as somebody who's invested in other people's lives. And I realized, I think that for a long time, being in um, in conversations around uh, leadership development, which is something that we talk about a fair deal in in our church among people who want to step into uh, larger responsibilities or people who are doing that in their workplaces and they want to, they want to connect that personal growth to spiritual growth, like you're talking about, Haley. In leadership development circles, sometimes it's like um, there's there's uh, there's universal statements that sound right, but they kind of end up like 
I don't know, deflating the balloon a little bit of, of like who you are. And so one that I think has, has affected me for a long time and I haven't realized it. And Ted Lasso made me like, gave me a new realization. I jumped out of it. This, this idea was like, if you can't do something for everybody, you probably shouldn't do it because it's not fair or because it's not scalable. You can't do that forever. If you're doing all of these really important things for like six people, can you do that for 60 people? And so I would I would hold back this piece of me that kind of loves, there's this piece in me that loves to do the little things for people and go the extra mile and, and just like show people, I don't know, just random acts of service that makes people feel like, oh my gosh, like Vince was really thinking of me. And I held myself back from doing those. And then I watched Ted Lasso and I was like, wait, this is so winning. That's who I want to be. I want to be like this person. I can do that. And it helped me realize I was holding myself back. That felt like God, like that felt like learning more, uh, getting a broader and more full picture of who I really am felt like God releasing me to be more freely myself in a way that messages were holding me back or making me feel like a smaller version of myself. Yeah. I love that. I think that there's um, a few things going on there of just the everyday nature of this, that there are some realizations that we can look back and see like, that was critical. That was huge. That was, that changed everything. And there's stuff like watching shows and realizing, wait a second, (laughs) like I can rethink some of this language that I've used or been given before. Um, that it can, it can look like changing your mind and going in a different direction. And it can look like expanding things, moving forward in a way that you are able to feel truly and fully yourself. Um, so I think that there's different, there's internal shifts that maybe give us the tools to step into our full identity and the fullness of who we are that's seen and recognized and loved by God. And there's things that are a little bit more outward focused too. Um, that requires some concrete change in the ways that we interact with others, the ways that we interact with the world. Um, yeah, that those things are tied together there, but I think that there are different types of realizations um, that lead us into deeper relationship with God and with ourselves and with those around us. Um, and this actually ties into something that I've been thinking about as a realization that has shifted things for me. Um, and what comes up for me are these realizations surrounding perfectionism. And the reason that this comes up is because it's something I have to circle back to all the time. It's one of those things that I think I understand and I work hard to undo some of that mindset. And then my therapist is really great at pointing out, Hey, there's that perfectionist voice again. And that feeling of needing to keep having realizations about the same thing over and over and over again, that can feel really discouraging sometimes. Um, My friend and mentor, Pastor Judy Peterson has helped me understand some of this, that even if it feels like we've circled back to the same place, we're actually on um, a spiral staircase. Um, So I love this metaphor that maybe we've circled back, but we're actually traveling too. Um, So if we're going up the spiral staircase, we've gained more perspective and we can see things. Um, so a lot of those feelings might feel really familiar. And I think that that's where some of the doubt can creep in and the the shame piece can creep into of like, man, I thought that I learned this and I knew this and I had a realization and I wanted to act in a way that honored that and was different. Um, and it can feel kind of limiting to circle back to that same space. 
But if we think of the spiral staircase analogy, um, we're moving, we're traveling, we might arrive at situations or feelings that feel familiar, but we've actually got different perspective on it now. Um, and I think that that really points out, I love that language because it points to this process of spiritual growth and personal growth that isn't linear, that we have these spiral staircase moments of revisit things and we get to honor the change and growth that has taken place, that those aren't mutually exclusive things. So my latest realization about this really sneaky perfectionism that sneaks up in my life all the time um, is that it can really affect my ability to show up and be present with others. So this is an example of that, like my inner voice has a lot of outward implications and growth can look, um, can look different in those areas, but often they're very deeply tied together. So this shows up, especially when I don't feel fully equipped or know the right words to say or things to do, um, which L'Oreal was mentioning in her reflection as well. It can be way easier to fall back into the mindset of I'll do nothing because I can't do it well enough to do it justice. And I really have to fight that voice that tells me it's better and safer to do nothing. Because as a white woman with a ton of privilege, I can't have that. And it's, it's sustaining and encouraging to have Jesus prompting me to keep on going, to not settle back into what feels familiar and to keep on this path of growth and understanding. And that feels really spiritual for me, even if it's uncomfortable and difficult, it is a spiritual process. Um, to grow more into who I am called to be and know is like, this is kind of aspirational of where I want to be at, but to also recognize like, this is where I am. And I think that that ongoing process of realization, not just the result, allows us to really deeply see um, God's active involvement in our life, that there isn't this separate God who kind of waits and sees how things are going to play out, but that we get to have the sustaining presence throughout the growth and change that takes place. And I don't know if that's our, our gut reaction to name that as spiritual, to name the ongoing hard work as spiritual. But I've really been thinking about if there's a Venn diagram between personal growth and spiritual growth, it would probably just be a circle um, because they're so deeply interconnected. And I don't think that we can parse out um, those different things there and how they affect our day-to-day -day life um, and how they've affected our, our course of life in a really big scale. And these moments, Vince, that you were talking about, just opportunities to um, do things differently in the day-to-day, -to, -day, to not let um, this idea of what should be taking place impact what actually is taking place, that we have opportunities to embrace the small changes just as much as we have to have these really big moments of clarity, things coming together that can um, impact things on a really large scale as well. Haley, can I ask one more question? Yeah, go for it. I, I'm curious because you are somebody who, uh, different from me, you grew up with a lot of formed pictures of what spiritual growth was, like you talked about before. It is reading your Bible or it is praying probably at a certain time or something like that. Um, and you're, you're suggesting that like 
those are not the only ways to be spiritual. And maybe there are ways that people are already doing because we are there. There's lots of personal growth opportunities and we know a lot of the people in this community and they're taking those personal growth opportunities in our world. And that's awesome. But like, do you have any, I don't know, like, do you, do you have to like trick yourself or teach yourself to call those spiritual? What do you like? Do you write them down? Do you, do you just have to like change your prayer life and convince yourself? Like, what does it look like to, to, to pry yourself away those things that you're not doing, but you really ought to, to, because it just, that just sounds awful. That sounds like spiritual life would be, would, would be constant shoulds, but, but you're describing something that's not that. Yeah. Um, so I think that I grew up in a setting that really emphasized this idea of a mountaintop experience. Um, very much the like church camp world, which I want to honor, like that did have a lot of really positive impacts on my, my faith journey and growth and all of that. But it was really difficult to feel like, man, in order to experience God, I have to have these super profound, over the top experience, warm and fuzzy, Jesus is with me type of a thing. Um, and that was definitely limiting to see like, well, if that's what I'm waiting for. Like, I just have to wait. Like, this is just the, the lull. Um, and then when I have that mountaintop experience, that's when I really know I'm experiencing God. Um, so it definitely, it has taken more for me, I think, stepping out of that context to recognize this everyday sustaining um, nature of God that's in all of these small moments that's in really the process of change, not just this end result, not just these um, overwhelming senses of, wow, God is with me. And I do think that those have impact, but it's a both and um, that the norm really isn't, I don't think to have like this overwhelming sense, sort of cynical, but I think it's a little bit more sustaining and hopeful to say, God is in these small moments. Um, and often we can't necessarily even see that until we look back and reflect. I think it can be hard to see it in the moment, um, but to look back and say, wow, I needed this, this, and this in order to authentically change, in order to have moments of real growth um, that felt honoring to myself and honoring to others and honoring to God to be. Um, and I don't know if it's necessarily tricking myself. Maybe it was at the beginning. Um, maybe it felt like a little bit more of a betrayal to the ways that I had known and seen God in the past. That but makes I sense that it would start that way. Yeah. 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 And I, but that's why these are, it's ongoing practices. Like you're just not, you're not instantly um, in the habit of looking for God in this way. So I looked to voices and people in my life that really model this well, I think in an ongoing way of staying attentive and curious to the ways that God is at work. And once you get in that habit, it's a lot more freeing to be able to say, I can name that as spiritual growth. I can take it, I can take legitimately all of the effort and work I'm putting in. And I can say, God is really present in this. Um, I can stay curious about how those things are intertwined instead of it needing to be an either or type of situation. Yeah. So that's, I think that's how I've, I've seen it play out. Um, so with that, there's a story in the gospels that I'm going to um, 
copy and paste into the chat for us, because if you are someone who's a little bit more visual and likes to read along, um, this will be here for you to look at. So this is a parable and Jesus often used parables to teach those who are following him um, new things to bring about new realizations, new opportunities for growth. Um, I love a good metaphor and parables are often beautiful, but they're often super confusing as well, um, which is interesting because it provides a lot of different angles for us to look at them and interpret them. Um, so this is a parable of the sower and the seed. It's from um, Matthew 13, and I'm going to read along uh, with this right now. So that same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into the boat and sat in it while all the people stood on the shore. And then he told them many things in parables saying, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell in rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants there were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, plants, still other seed fell along good soil, where it produced a crop 160 or 30 times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. And so I've heard this story painted a lot of different ways, but one of the most common um, is an illustration that equates the seed that falls on good soil as faithful people who live out their faithfulness and help others know Jesus. Um, that there are other people who are closed off to God and that seed does not grow. It doesn't produce anything. Um, that there are some who have these like short little encounters with God, but there's no root there and it doesn't actually flourish into anything. Um, and I, yeah, that doesn't feel super fulfilling to me. In that portrayal, the goal was to be faithful, good soil for good news to grow in and avoid the birds eating up the seeds on the path or in the rocky places. You didn't want to be those type of um, plants of growth or any of that. It was kind of set up as this believer and non-believer type of language, very much you're in or you're out. And so I'd like to present a different angle for this story today. I was just thinking about this this morning a little bit more. Maybe these seeds maybe these opportunities for growth are not actually different people or different types of people, because that feels really limiting, but maybe they are opportunities individually for us to grow and change in our lives. So we can leave out this faithful and non-faithful distinction, that there are going to be some opportunities for change that don't actually take root and grow, whether it's because we're not actually ready, it's uncomfortable, so we don't want to lean into it, or we simply miss it because there's too much else that's going on. And yet there will always be opportunities for change that do fall on good soil. Soil that has been tilled and moved by a lot of work, a lot of um, figuring out how to make things grow, um, how to maximize the most of that, how to be ready and open for change, how to undo some of the limiting and harmful mindsets that we've had in the past. Soil that is messy, um, if you think about well-fertilized soil, maybe that even means that it's got some of the crap in our lives that needs to be there for things to grow. And that's the soil that lets real growth happen. 
it's not just this um, over-spiritualized sense of like, I am open and ready and listening to God and these other people aren't. But it's saying, if I look within myself, there are times that I could have changed, that I could have embraced new realizations. And I didn't. They didn't really take root. They weren't fruitful. It was a lost opportunity, but I can own that. And I can trust that new seed is down. I can do the work in my life to till that soil. I can recognize that the crap is present. And instead of trying to hide that in a way that is shameful, instead of seeing the painful moments in my life as really limiting, I can embrace that they are there. I can recognize that as part of the soil of who I am. Do that work, move that soil and see the real, real growth that does happen. And for me, that's a beautiful picture of what it means for personal growth, for all of that hard work to actually be spiritual. The spiritual piece is that things do grow, that we are sustained, that there is impact that comes out of that. This crop that it says that um, is 160 or 30 times what was sown. I know that that's just not me on my own, even if I have put in the good work of making sure that that soil is ready to go that there um, are beautiful opportunities to have these outward implications for the inner work that we are doing and can embrace and move forward in. That personal growth is spiritual and impactful, not only for us, but for those around that. And as a community, we get to name that and we get to recognize that in others. Um, And I think that that's a really beautiful thing. So I... um, I'm going to pray for us in this here to be able to sit in this a little bit longer to reflect and to think on what are the realizations that I am having. Maybe they're really big moments that are critical and have changed everything. And maybe it's the small stuff that is sustaining along the way. So in that space, let's pray together. Sustainer God, we thank you for the chance to be together this morning. God, I thank you that you are living and moving and actively involved in all that we are doing in life. That because of your nature, we can see this personal growth as spiritual growth. And that as we embrace that, it can lead to really concrete changes in our life that feel fulfilling and that feel important that in all the work that we're doing, that you partner with us in it. God, may we continue to do the good work of tilling the soil, of embracing the things in our life that are difficult in order to let the good stuff grow. May we... um, May we recognize the ways that you are actively in work. May we pay attention and stay curious about your presence in our lives, your presence in the world. May we live into that wonder and that hope that you are living and that we get to see that and speak to that and know that and honor that for one another. Amen.